Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to the podcast. Good to have you back. If you're new, hey, good to have you here for the first time. We hope that this and many other episodes that we've recorded so far on our podcast, ADHD is Over, will inspire you or at least get you curious or shift something or perhaps, you know, get you to share this with a friend family member, someone in need, when I say in need, you know, some parents, some child who recently have gotten uh, diagnosed, right, um, that could benefit from hearing a different perspective on this so-called disorder. Today's episode is called, I'm not broken, I'm unfolding. And the episode is inspired by a song I recently came across by an artist named Luca Fogale, a very Italian name. Uh, Luca is out of Western Canada. He is uh, an, a musician, an artist who's toured around the US, Canada, Australia, and Japan. And uh, he has a beautiful voice and this song, unfolding just really touched my heart. And I just want to read you the lyrics, part of the lyrics of the song. And if you're listening, if you're a parent right now, listening, I want you to picture your, your son or your daughter saying this to you or saying this laying awake, eyes open at night, in bed, after they've been told they have a disorder, they have ADHD, they have to take medication or do, you know, make drastic changes to be quote-unquote normal. I want you to picture your child saying these words to you. If it helps, and I invite you to, I don't expect it, but if it helps, close your eyes right now, wherever you're at. If you're driving, do not close your eyes. Roman said, don't close your eyes while you're driving. Unless you have a Tesla, but you still have to keep your eyes open and your hands close to the wheel, so don't do it. If you're in a comfortable seated standing position somewhere and you're not driving or you're not operating heavy machinery, <laughs> I feel this is like a legal disclaimer of, of uh, a drug, you know. But if you're somewhere comfortable and you're not going to endanger yourself, by closing your eyes. Please close your eyes while I read these lyrics. Here we go. This is the song unfolding from Luca Fogale. Let me out. The wires are all showing. Sleight of hand is slowing. Everything explained. Further now, from anything absolving, nothing left to solve and nothing left to say. In time, untrace any part of this still holding. I am not breaking. I am not broken. 
I am unfolding. I am not breaking. I am not broken. I am unfolding. Settle in. The ordinary sequence, scatter all your reasons and leave the rest behind. Lost to win, everything believed in, trust ascends to bleed in, carry to the light. In time, untrace every part of this still holding. I'm not breaking. I'm not broken. I am unfolding. Mom and dad, I'm not breaking. I'm not broken. I am unfolding. Those are the lyrics to Unfolding by Luca Fogali. I'm going to post a link to Luca and his music in the show notes. I want you to just also just listen. I'm just going to play a clip. I don't own this music, disclaimer. I just want to link to the music, to the artist. I'm inspired by it. So I'm just going to play a short clip so you can hear the soul, the essence of the song. Here we go. I'm not breaking, I am not broken, I am unfolding. And the reason why I got inspired by this song should be obvious to you. If you're new, I'll give you a mini explanation. If you've heard other uh, episodes here on our podcast, then you most likely will go, I know what you're talking about, Roman. But it's very simple. When we shift our perspective around this so-called disorder and we realize that we as the parents have the power to not, to not only help our child heal, I hate to use the word heal, but just hear me out. It's the easiest one to use for this. It's the quickest shorthand we have to heal your child's so-called disorder and you have the power to heal your own transgenerational hand-me-down trauma, traumas. And that in itself will help your child heal. I'd rather call it dissolve the ADHD symptoms because they're ultimately behaviors that will change. That's all it is. So the reason why I got inspired is, again, because if we shift our perspective around this so-called disorder and we heal our own shit, and the third step is to honor our children, to honor your child, and when a child tells me, I'm not broken, I am unfolding, then my job as a parent is to A, not see my child as broken, and B, to guide my child, to allow my child to unfold, to become who they are in this world. That is going to be the hardest thing you'll ever do in life, period obviously for your child, but also for yourself. We as parents, like I, I take myself, I had children a bit later in life. I had my first son when I was 39. Uh, it's considered late, right? So I'm 51, but even at 51, I am far from done unfolding. I'm still unfolding. As a matter of fact, I think I barely started to truly unfold. I call it, I'm, I'm peeling the asshole onion. I'm peeling off the layers that are selfish, that are addictive or, you know, based 
behaviors based on childhood traumas or lack of nurture and whatever I developed in childhood that now shows up as an adult. I'm barely starting to peel this onion. And that's healing our shit. And when we do that, we are unfolding our true selves. And often children don't have the capacity at an early age to say, I'm not broken, I am unfolding. That would be their soul speaking, their spirit, whatever you want to call it, the intelligence, the essence, the part of source, the part of all, part of the soul into human being saying, I'm not broken, I am unfolding. Because at six or seven years old, that's just not part of their development. The language, the brain, the understanding of life, that's not there. But I guarantee you there is that intelligence already underneath, inside there, transmitting that message. I'm not broken, I'm unfolding. And we suffocate those unspoken words, those transmitted messages, we suffocate them when we don't allow our children to unfold, when we literally try to mold them into the little human beings or young adults or eventually adults that we want them to be. The key word here is that we want them to be. And I often hear parents say, well, I know better. I'm an adult. Yes. You and I, if you're an adult listening, we have more experience on this planet, but it doesn't mean that we know what's best for our children. Now, you hear me say this often, parents know your children best, right? Don't let an expert tell you something that's counterintuitive for you, right? But even though we know our children best, we have to realize that a lot of this knowing, we call it knowing, comes from imprints from our own parents, right? Transgenerationally, what, what they told, taught us how they parented us, what they said is important in life, then what society says important, right? And with, by society, I mean media, community, culture, right? Depending on where you're born, what culture you're raised in, like all these things will also imprint this idea of like, this is what my son or daughter should do. My son should become a doctor or my son has to go to college. My daughter should marry into this type of family, right? This type, this, this type of income is, is good. That type of income is not good. This type of job is respected. This one is not. So all these, these imprints, all this sort of, I know what's best for my child has to be looked at under a microscope because where are these standards or values coming from? And look, it's okay to say I would like my child to go to college because if my child has a college degree, there's probably going to be a bit more respect and maybe some more opportunities and doors opening for my child to quote unquote, get a job or have a career. But that's only part of the world. If we look around today, there's so many self-taught entrepreneurs, business owners. There's so many self-taught engineers, uh, computer programmers, people who don't have a college degree that are doing really well. So it is actually outdated to think that a college degree is still the ticket to 
uh, uh, you know, securing a successful uh, job or career. That is perhaps still true at 50%. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I don't have a study here. Jeez, you always want studies. I don't have a study citing that. But, you know, I mean, if you're just intuitively checking in, eh, let's say it's 50, maybe it's still 60%. I don't know. But there's a large percentage of successful people out there in the world. If you're just looking for success, I believe life is about more than just being financially successful or in your career successful. I think it's about fulfillment and happiness and so forth. But let's not get into this. I've done other episodes on that. But if you're really looking for that, that measurement, I will guarantee you that there's a large percentage of the population today that do not have a college degree that are doing really well financially. You know, kids on YouTube at 18 years old, millionaires. Again, is that a formula to a fulfilled life? I don't know. But, you know, if you look at parents, if you look at what we, and I include all of us, cared about in, you know, even today, but more so perhaps our parents' generation is like, can you have a, a good job and make, good, uh, make a good living? That was all that mattered. And then yes, get married and have kids and do the thing, but have a good job, make good money. That's what mattered. Well, guess what? That has all changed. And if that's the only thing important to you today, then a college degree is only one way to get there. I just wanted to get that out of the way because when we let our children unfold, part of it is not to stuff them into a corner and say, this is your corner, this is your school, because that's a good feeder school to the next good school, that's a feeder school to the next good university, that's a feeder school to the next MBA program, that's basically a feeder tube out into the world of CEOs that are going to work at, you know, big companies to make good money, right? That's not letting a child unfold. That's righteously putting a child onto a track that you, the parent, believes is the right track for your child. That is not honoring your child. Nothing wrong with that. Go for it. If that's what you want to do, that's what you're going to do, right? You're an adult. Hey, go for it. No judgment here. I'm here to say there is another way. There's another option. And that option goes all the way back to the very simple concept that I mention in most of my episodes. And that is the concept of not only allowing your child to unfold, right? But it's the concept of checking in in your environment, in every corner, in every area of your environment, your child's environment, your family environment, to see where there's friction. If your child does not like his or her school, that is a major, major, beautifully lit up red flag, red light for you to go, oh, cool, let's remove some friction here for my child. Perhaps a different school, a different type of school. Perhaps you have a child who's not at the beginning willing to sit still and just have somebody stuff academics, academic knowledge into their brains in the hope that, you know, the end of the school year for the big test, they can spit it all back up because they made it quote unquote important. They saved space in their memory, in their brain so that they could recite it and get a good grade and move on, right? You may have a child who's not interested in that, forcing your child to get interested into it or 
like in so many cases with ADHD, diagnosing your child for ADHD and then medicating them so that they will sit still, take in that information, will remember it, will recite it, get a good grade and move on, is not allowing your child to unfold. If your child loves that, loves, you know, academics, loves uh, to, to memorize and to study, and loves to recite it and get good grades and move on, then great. Then that perhaps is the track for your child. And you may allow to, unfold, to have your child unfold inside of that track. Well done, right? But it's not for everyone. But here's the kicker. Our society basically assumes that we're all the same, that we should all fit into that track, that that is the track. Let me say this again. I want to be really clear here. We're a podcast intended to help people or to inspire them to shift their perspective around ADHD. But in order for us to shift your perspective, just like it happened to us, in order to shift our perspective and then yours around ADHD, we had to shift our perspective around many areas in life. I had to shift my perspective around trauma, around the nervous system, what impacts a child and what doesn't, or what impacts a certain child, but not another. I had to shift my perspective around marriage, what marriage is, what we model for our children. I had to shift my perspective around parenting. I'm currently taking a conscious parenting class because I finally admitted that I like, I don't know shit. I know some stuff. I'm a pretty decent parent, but I want to know more. But I had to shift my perspective around that. Not like, oh, well, you know, I know how to raise my children. Nobody tells me how to raise my children. I'll just do it. It'll be fine, right? No, I had to shift my perspective. That there's people out there who've studied parenting, who know a lot, who know a lot more, and who say, if you apply this, you will have a, ha a happier relationship with your children. Sign me up. Why would I not want that? unless I'm not willing to shift my perspective. So I had to shift, my wife and I, our family, we had to shift our perspectives in many areas. But let's just stick to, you know, this one perspective, right? It is the kicker that in our society, we still today pretend or live as the, I'm going to call it just for shorthand reasons, the Ivy League track is the way to get to the top financially and to get the most respect and to have a good job and career and money and so forth, right? We still pretend that is the track. Now, I know there's those of you listening saying, well, I don't, I'm not buying into this. I, my friends are not buying into this. We don't. And that's great. That's why you're here. Because you're already, you've already shifted your perspective on certain aspects of life before Perhaps you came to this podcast before ADHD. That's why you're here. Most of our listeners are not people who are unwilling to shift their perspective in any area of life. They wouldn't be here. They'd be like, this is bullshit. What is he talking about? He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not a doctor. He's not a scientist. He, he doesn't know. Well, that's not the people that listen to this podcast. That's not the people... I get up for in the morning and go, I want to prove to them that, uh, you know, our scientist is bigger than their scientist or our study is better than your study. No, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in resonance so that you feel intuitively that this podcast is right for you or perhaps not. 
And so going back to shifting your perspective, you're here. So you may say, well, that's not really, you know, yes, but most people out there that are not interested in shifting their perspective, they literally believe that the Ivy League track is still the God track. And even if we say, well, it's changing, but very slowly, there's still people that I meet often that have barely just given birth, right? The mother's just given birth or they, they have a one-year-old and they're already signed up to the best schools in the area or they've moved to an area that perhaps they're not that super interested in or it's too far from work, but it's got the best school. And by the best school, they don't mean the best school for their child because their child's only one. They're five years ahead thinking or four years ahead thinking preschool, kindergarten, all that stuff is going to be the best schools for them. But it's not necessarily the best school for their children. It's what they think is the best. And look, they mean well, I get it. But there's a difference between meaning well and meaning well driven by fear, thinking that the Ivy League track is still going to be the most fear-reducing track for them in their lives. In a way, I call that parental selfishness. Not a bad selfishness. It's like you want to die knowing that you provided for your children. But my argument is that if we don't let our children unfold, if at some point, like in the case of ADHD, we see our children as broken or handicapped, which is one of the worst analogies that Russell Barkley, uh, if you haven't heard of him, he is sort of the, the messiah of the pro-meds, pro-ADHD, pro-disorder side, and heavily uh, financed, supported by Big Pharma. That's, you can go on Wikipedia and see that. It tells you how much he makes from Big Pharma every year. It's not a secret. So one of his analogies was like children with ADHD are like children in wheelchairs. And medication and therapies are like the ramps so they can get into the building. I mean, I had to stop and listen to it again. And this is not from a ethical or moral, oh my God, I can't believe he's calling them handicapped or, you know, there's the whole debate about not using the word retarded and all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about him creating children as incapable of getting somewhere unless they have this external assistance. And look, external assistance is often needed, right? Coach, uh, tutors, doctors. And so, yes, but temporarily because we, it kind of goes back to the saying, you know, don't give them fish, teach them how to fish, right? If we allow our children to feel like they depend on a substance in the case of stimulant drugs, or they depend on a lifelong therapy, or they depend on, on, claiming ADHD as a handicap for themselves in life so that people understand why they're late and why they're messy. If we teach them that that's, that's something to, like a crutch, you know, to lean on for the rest of their lives, we are creating dependent adults. As you know, dependence creates, in a way, addiction because you cannot not be with it. Like you cannot be without it. Right. And so 
That's why we have a lot of adults addicted to substances, because as children, they were given substances and they were told that if you take this, you'll be a better human being. Your brain works better. You could do better tests. You'll be more respected and so forth. And eventually in a child's brain or a young adult's brain, it translates to without this, I'm less than, and that's called dependency. And there's a 27-year-old, sorry, 20-year, 27-year study by a, a Berkeley professor, Nadine Lambert, researcher, who um, followed, I think, over 300 children into their adulthood for 27 years. And these were uh, children that were medicated with Ritalin, and she had some that were not medicated. These are all children diagnosed with ADHD, and she found that the children that were medicated with Ritalin, that once they entered young adulthood were at a higher risk for alcohol, nicotine, and drug abuse. And the other side, the Russell Barkley and his uh, gnomes, basically, you know, scream the opposite. That children who are unmedicated for ADHD will later in life become dr drug abusers and, you know, have, get into car wrecks and go to prison and have divorces and so forth. And that has completely been disproven by this study. Now, this study was a hot item back in the 90s because the pro-med side wanted this to go away. And unfortunately, and I'm not saying there was any foul play, smells a little fishy, but unfortunately, before Nadine Lambert was able to publish her study, she died in a car accident. A garbage truck hit her close to campus. No, that could have been an accident, right? Maybe it was. But I actually followed up with Berkeley. I, I was able to reach Nadine's son. I found him on Facebook. A very nice gentleman. We had a chat. I could tell he was a little guarded with the information. I mean, he didn't know who I was, right? I told him we're doing a podcast and a documentary on ADHD. So he gave me a contact at Berkeley to reach out to, to see if I could get my hands on her study because he didn't have it anymore. So I reached out to Berkeley and the answer I got back was funny. Well, not funny. I got an email back saying, well, we recently moved that department that Nadine Lambert was part of, psychology department. We moved it into a new building and um, it looks like we shredded a lot of the old documents and we don't have it anymore. And this is saying in the last, I think, seven years they moved. Now, we've had digital media and, you know, scanners and so forth for way longer than that. So it's a little weird to say the study is gone. Nobody can get their hands on it. I mean, this is a study funded or, or conducted at Berkeley and Berkeley has no trace of that, that study. And supposedly it was shredded when the department moved into a new building. Again, I'm not saying there's something fishy here, something bad happened, some foul play. I guess I am saying there's, it's a little fishy. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not suggesting that I have proof that there's foul play. Not at all. Why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you this story because that was a study 
that prove the opposite to what you hear in the news, even to this day, that if your son or daughter is not medicated for ADHD, they may end up becoming drug users and getting car crashes, get divorced, die, go to prison, right? The doomsday prophecy. And there are studies out there. Hers was one of them. There's newer ones, I think, that are, that are going to be coming out, which I'm excited about. There's studies out there that say complete opposite. So when we can look at those two sides as parents and go, wait a minute, you're telling me all this doomsday stuff, but then there's a study that says that's actually the opposite. So who am I supposed to believe? That's right, dear parents. If I could promote only one thing, you know, on this podcast or in this movement, only one thing, I would say, listen to both sides and then let your own intuition guide you, period. And if that's too woo-woo for you, hey, I get it. Used to be woo-woo for me, not anymore. Because I allow myself nowadays to make my decisions based on my intuition. I still listen to both sides. I will watch videos of Russell Barkley, and then I'll watch videos of Gabor Mate. And then I analyze as I'm watching them, do I trust them? Do I believe what they say? Are they coming from anger or for, from love? Do their metaphors make sense? Are they open to both sides? You know, I analyze. And then I allow my gut feeling to say, this is the person that I believe that I'm going to listen to. And it doesn't matter if that's right or wrong in the end. I have to trust my intuition so I can fine tune, I can calibrate it. Because in the end, when people say like, well, I don't know, I hear this and I hear that and what am I supposed to do? The only thing that we have in that moment is our own internal guidance system. And if it's not calibrated, when you get to a, a fork in the road in your life where you have to make a huge, massive decision and you're stuck with an uncalibrated guidance system, guess what? You're going to go with the message that comes from the loudest bullhorn out there in the media, and that will be the one funded by the most money. And the most money, the loudest bullhorn, doesn't mean it's the truth or the better truth or the better study. It just means there was more interest and funds behind it so it could be the loudest. And you hear that as a parent and you go, that must be true. So I do this work. I do this to remind parents that don't listen to the loudest message. Listen to both messages, trust your intuition, and then make a choice. And that's all a huge part of allowing your child to unfold and to become who they are. And if you pay attention to the friction that your child, you know, telegraphs on a daily basis, whether it's at school or with, with the diet or in your spirituality or how your relationship with your husband or wife is and so forth, right? All these things, when there's friction, and your child is quote unquote acting out. Is it acting up? I think it's acting out, for example. And I think Gabor Mate speaks on this where he says like the reason why young children are acting out is because that's their way of communicating. They're acting. It's like charades. 
They're telling you something. I'm uncomfortable. I'm upset. I'm irritated. I'm not happy. Whatever that is. And we call it, oh, that's a, that's bad behavior. That's ODD. That's oppositional defiance disorder. That's another disorder that is completely ridiculous, made up based on behaviors that we're not willing to dig deeper on. Most parents are not willing to go there. It's like, it's got to be my child. They're acting, they're, they're, they're defiant. Why are they defined? Well, they're just because they have ODD. Nobody has ODD because they have ODD. Nobody is defined because they have a made up disorder called ODD. Nobody, you know, uh, can't sit still in, in a classroom because they have a made up disorder called ADHD. No, we got to dig way deeper, way deeper. And we got to do way more work. Us as parents, we got to slow the fuck down. We are overworked. We are workaholics, but we're not willing to look at work, work, workaholism the same as alcoholism or drug abuse. If you're a workaholic, you're an addict, period. It's not a bad thing. We're all addicted to something. You know, you're either addicted to uh, alcohol or drugs or sex or gambling or, or shopping, food, work. We're all addicted to something, social media, video games, whatever. We're addicted to something that allows us to check out, to numb. It's a coping mechanism. When we get overwhelmed, when we get too emotional because we weren't raised to deal with our emotions and how to express them in a healthy way, when we get there, we literally turn around to look for what, what can numb me right now. Let me drink. Let me check out. Let me go shop. You know, what I'm here to say is that if you're a workaholic, you're an addict. You're addicted to work because it allows you to ignore other things. Our children, especially children with ADHD, or I should say, especially children who are said to have ADHD, who have been diagnosed with this so-called disorder that's really just a bunch of symptoms labeled as a disorder. Really, it's behavior that's called symptoms. But if you have a child like that, those children are trying to tell us something. They're trying to tell us that mom and dad, the environment I'm growing up in is way too fast, way too loud, way too crazy. You're too busy. I feel the tension in your marriage. I don't feel safe. I don't feel nurtured. I don't like my school. I'm struggling with something here. I need support, not a pill, not a label. They're trying to tell us something, but they're often too young in the case of a four or five. I mean, some kids are even now medicated and diagnosed at three, but you know, four or five, six years old, they don't have the, the, the wording. They don't have the brain development to tell us these things. They can't psychoanalyze themselves or you, but I'm here to say that that's what they're saying. This is not about me channeling your son or daughter. This is not about me being a medium or I can, tr I can feel it. I can, I, I felt it with our own son. I knew that once my wife and I started healing our own shit, looking deeper into what we can do to remove friction in the environment between our son and his, his environment, his world, that he started calming down. He's no longer hyperactive. He's no longer as impulsive as he was. He's still a very unique being, but we let him unfold. But two of these, you know, symptoms, so-called symptoms that he was supposed to have for life, 
have already dissolved in six years. Now, it's six years. It's not quick. We never medicated him. But we said, let, let's let him unfold. Let him show us who he is going to be. Now, is it every day that we can just say we're confident and we have no worry and he's going to be fine, he's going to turn out great? No, we have our worries. We're human. But my wife and I have made it clear that we're going to keep working on our own healing, our own trauma healing, work on our marriage, work on our parenting, work on all the areas of our lives to improve them. Because I guarantee you, if you give me another six years, none of the symptoms that Kai was diagnosed with six years ago, meaning after 12 years of allowing him to unfold and honoring him without medication, he will have zero symptoms left that you could label as ADHD. Because it is a fact that ADHD can be outgrown. But that's not what you hear in the media. That's not what you hear. You may hear somebody say like, oh, it's a superpower, yay. That's all just like yoop de uh rallying with a, with a placate sign that says, you are not broken, you have superpowers. Yeah, that's nice. That's a nice Hallmark greeting card. Look, I get it. They actually are superpowers. But it's beyond that. Because by saying, well, yeah, you have ADHD, but it's a superpower, you're still buying into the narrative of like, you still have a disorder, but don't worry. It's good. You know, it's got, you can use it for the good. That's step one. Step two is to realize that no one is stuck with ADHD for life. No one. It can be outgrown. Some don't because the healing isn't taking place. The, the environment isn't supportive. The love isn't there. The feeling safe isn't there. The going back to look at what happened isn't there. So yes, you may see some adults, you know, you may see their behavior that you could still label as ADHD and see, oh, he's now 16. He still does that. Yeah, but that's not because ADHD can't be outgrown. That's because that young being wasn't in an optimal environment to outgrow it. That's a huge difference. That's a big difference. Anyway, unfolding is the key word here. Our job as parents is to guide and allow for unfolding. Our job isn't to mold our children into who we think they should become. Because that comes from our fear, from our parents, our transgenerational hand-me-down fear of things aren't going to turn out justified fears, right? We have parents, grandparents, and so forth that were in wars, that went through famine, through real pandemics, not to downplay this pandemic, but it's a whole nother story, but like, you know, Holocaust, real bad stuff. So the fear is justified. All we're here to say is it's time to draw a line in the sand to say, okay, that was the fear that my parents handed to me or the anxiety, in my case, my mother, always anxious, always negative, pessimistic, worst thing's going to happen on a good day or any day with anything. And it took a long time for me to realize no more. 
my wife points it out for me nowadays when I'm being negative. When I say, oh, we're going to go here, but there's not going to be parking. And what if we don't get tickets? She's like, stop. Why are you already creating the future as not going to work out? I'm like, oh, that's my mom. I get it. Right? So helping each other draw that line in the sand is key. That's part of the healing. Because we pass that on to our children. And then they're going to pass it on to their children. They're going to tell their children, you should become a doctor. Why? Well, that's how it is. But what how it is really means is that's what my parents taught me. That's what society told me is going to work out. And perhaps they're a doctor and they're making good money, but they're in a miserable marriage. But at least they can pay the bills. So they're like, well, at least don't fuck up that up. You know, go to college, become a doctor, and at least you pay the bills. And that's half the battle. And, you know, if you die in an unhappy marriage, at least you paid the bills, right? Whatever. Hey, whatever floats your boat. Again, I'm here to say there's so much more gold at the end of the rainbow, when we allow our children to unfold. They're only credit cards at the end of the rainbow if we just rush them into a Ivy League track. But there's true gold there when we allow those little beings that are telling us that they're not broken, they're just unfolding, and that they're not normal, that they're unique. And not unique in a, oh, you're so gifted and unique. Unique as in no two snowflakes are the same. No two water drops are the same. Everyone is unique in their own way. And if we see that, if we see our children for the unique beings that they are, that gives them the confidence and that gives them the feeling of safety and love that they can further unfold to become who they are. And that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Let the butterflies unfold and fly. And what that's going to require from us, the parents, I call it chill the fuck out. Look and see where the fear is coming from. Transform that. Lean back more, sit back more, and watch it happen. Because look, life is about way more than getting a good job and having a family and a nice house and a nice car and then get into retirement and die. There is way more to life that we don't even know. We're on a floating planet in the universe, a spinning planet in the universe in space where there's many universes, endless, we don't even know the end of it. And nobody really knows exactly why we're here, but we act like, oh, we know what there's to do here. It's that, you know, make money, have a family, travel the world, retire, go home, die. You know, sorry to throw this in at the end here, but that's, that's how we're living our lives. Most people are afraid to die. They're not enjoying living. Last, last night I was laying awake in bed, couldn't sleep. And I had this silly thought that came into my mind. It's like, if you can develop products that reduce people's fear of death, you will make more money than if you develop products that increase the joy for life, the joy of life. Say that again. You can make more money in this world today if you develop, if you sell products that reduce 
people's fear of death. Then you can make money with products that give people more joy in life. You got to let that sink in. That's what it's come to, especially during this pandemic. People will do anything, buy into anything, spend any kind of money if they can reduce their fear of death. But how many people really invest the same amount of money to have joy in life? That's kind of where we're at today. So that said, thank you for listening to this podcast, for listening to this episode. If you're still listening here, we appreciate you uh, listening to the end. We hope that this episode, like hopefully other ones as well, has given you some value, inspired you to, to perhaps you know, get a new perspective on, on ADHD or other issues, other things in life. And uh, we, we don't take it lightly. Your attention, your focus, your listening to our podcast, we really appreciate that. So please come back and spread the message. We're currently working on a diagnosis survival kit. It should be out in September. It's going to be a free download that you can share with people who, you know, families who just had a child diagnosed and who are like in this first shock moment of like, ah, what do we do? And we're hoping to have that ready for, you know, school re-entry in September. Um, and we're working on a book also called ADHD is over. And we're working on a documentary called ADHD is over. And we're just one little family doing all this on our own. Um, so it's just taken a little bit longer, but it's, it's, it's our passion. It's especially my passion. Uh, my wife's as well, but I'm, I'm spearheading this, uh, as the father of Kai. And I wouldn't want to have it any other way. Every time I record an episode, every time I interview a guest, I am just filled with joy. So thank you for listening. You listeners out there from, I mean, 30 plus countries. Um, we're just so happy when we see countries and cities pop up that are new that we haven't heard of, or we haven't seen, um, you know, in our analytics of the podcast. So I really appreciate that. So thank you for listening. Meanwhile, yes, invest in the joy of life, create a beautiful life and allow your children to unfold. It's not easy, but the first step is to realize that they will be more fulfilled as human beings the more you allow them to unfold versus molding them into who you think they should become. I guarantee you that. I guarantee you that. Guarantee. Thank you for listening. Until next time.